Namaste, beautiful mama, and welcome to the Hope for Moms and Unhappy Marriages podcast. You are with Sir Jade Bhajan, a mama just like you who was suffering in her marriage. And to be fair, before her marriage. Um, and I sit here now so blessed for my journey, for teaching me and guiding me within myself, where I found the true me, I found my strength, I found clarity, I found all the answers and feelings like love that I was searching for. I am so happy that you are here and my intention for this podcast is just to show you that you are not alone and there is hope. There is hope for you in your situation. There is always hope and that the situation that you are in, even though you may not be able to see it in this moment, it's making you stronger and it is pushing you towards an inner an inner state of being i love you so much and you may not understand your journey at this moment and that's okay because i didn't understand my journey and this is why i feel it's so important for me to share my story because Even though we don't understand our journeys, there is that light at the ending of the tunnel and I want to show you that light, right? I want to give you hope and and I want you to know that you're not alone. So I'm so happy that you are here. You are loved, you are appreciated, you are so appreciated and I love you so much. So today is going to be an absolutely beautiful, very, very, very personal um, episode because it is part two of my journey to finding the true me. And it is going to go into religion because Islam in particular was a very, very, very big part of my life. Okay. Um just before I got married, I converted into Islam. And just before I go into that story, I wanted to just give you a brief about who I was before in part one. If you want to listen to part one, that is episode number seven. But just to give you an idea of part one of my story, because I realized that I been through three major stages in my life. The first one, when I was sleeping, I was literally sleeping and I was living life in a very superficial manner um, in a very innocent way, you know, innocently just living life and, or what I believed life was, had no, there was no true meaning to my life. I was a heavy drinker. It was very hard for me to say no to other people. I dressed a certain way for attention. 
right? Because I was trying to fill that gap within myself, that space of, um, of unworthiness. So I wanted to feel worthy and that was the only way I knew how at that time in my life. And I remember when I did drink and I, I drank almost every day. Um, and I drank to the point of no return. <laughs> um, I shouldn't say no return because then I wouldn't be here talking to you, but I drank to the point where I blacked out. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and I remember my sister, she told me like I would call her and tell her that I want to come home. And I remember when I was drunk, I used to cry and I used to cry after, you know, partying. And I used to cry and I used to just be like, I want to go home. I want to go home. You know, I never understood what that meant. And I really, truly feel like I have returned home. Not in a manner of country and not in a manner of where I'm with my family, where you call home, but home as in within myself. Right? That is part three of my story. But yeah, it's, it's just subconsciously I wanted to come home. Um, I didn't know what true happiness was. Uh, or how to find it, right? Like I said, I, I thought happiness was just very superficial. What I did really love to do in stage one is I loved, I loved, I loved, I loved beauty. So I loved looking at myself in the mirror and just thinking that, oh my God, like, you're so beautiful, right? That was a feeling that just made me feel so good even though at that time like I remember at that time when like my boyfriend would be like why are you dressing like that or why do you have to put on so much makeup or whatever I used to always tell him like listen this is for me this is not for anybody else um, and it makes me feel good and even though subconsciously I may have been doing it for the attention to fill that gap of worthiness um, I remember that feeling and until this day that feeling it's it's just it's so uplifting right when we look good we feel good and when we feel good we have so much confidence and and it just snowballs into all of these beautiful emotions and actions so in stage one I I had no purpose. I had no direction. There was no depth. And I was literally, I felt like I was running away from who I thought I was. Right? And alcohol was a very good suppressant of um, going any deeper. Because if I went deeper within myself, I'd, I if I asked myself the questions of, well, is this who you really are? And I didn't really know how to find that answer. Um... It made me sad, so I ran away from from those big questions, right? I thought I was confident, but I wasn't. I had absolutely no self-worth, right? I needed others to validate me. I needed others to tell me that I was beautiful, that I needed others to, to make me feel loved, right? To make me feel like I was enough. I gave my power to everybody else. Okay? 
I had no value. Like I felt like I was a piece of meat. Right? And I hated, I hated that feeling. And at that time, I didn't, I didn't feel like I respected my body or my mind or myself. I hated to the point where I, I hated myself. I hated my name. Surge day. I hated my name. I was made fun of with my name when I was younger and growing up people couldn't say it and then it made me feel bad and then it was just uncomfortable and to the point where I told people to just call me Michelle, right? I had my core beliefs was I'm stupid because I was pretty, right? I believe that I was meant to be a trophy wife. I didn't need anyone that I could have done everything by myself. But see how that contradicts each other, right? I felt like I I don't need anybody. But I was looking for somebody to save me. Right? I always thought that I needed another person to make me feel complete. And that money would make me happy. I have I grew up with this belief when I was younger that that money is uh is what brings happiness and what other people thought of me was true right so that goes back to the validation i believe that you had to stay in a marriage when it comes to marriage i believe you had to stay in a marriage no matter what you had to stay in a marriage especially if you had kids because number one, you know, when you get married, it's forever. And number two, when you have kids, a kids need a mother and a father to thrive. And I really, truly believe that. I saw my, the woman closest to me um, go through hell, but yet didn't leave the marriage for whatever reason they felt at a deeper level. They only know but they expressed it in a way like you have children and you can't leave. You have to stay with your husband, right? So that was one of my really core limiting beliefs. Even though I had all of these, um, what I consider things to, to judge myself on and to hate myself, I also had the very strong core beliefs of being kind and not stealing and not hurting other people and helping other people and right to love your family even though sometimes you want to strangle them you know um and i i always believed that i had a purpose i just never knew what that purpose was and i didn't know how to find it so i kind of blocked that off right and i always believed that there's more to life that this was not me this was not this there's no way that this is all my life could have been right so that was my stage 1 of of my life so stage 1 is what i call my sleeping stage it's the stage where i was being controlled by my subconscious conditioning by my limiting beliefs I was living life at the very surface with no meaning and no purpose. But I was, I knew, I knew that I, I knew that this wasn't all that was to life, 
right? But I was scared to ask myself the deeper questions because it just made me feel more lost. I was scared. I didn't know, right? So in stage two, yay, stage two, I was actually still sleeping. I was still being controlled by limiting beliefs and my new limiting beliefs, and I'll, I'll share that with you. But it was a step forward, and it was preparing me to go within and find the true me, right? In stage two, everything that I was looking for and all the answers that I was ready for at that time of my life came to me in the form of religion. It came to me in Islam. Islam is such a beautiful, beautiful religion and I love Islam. I built, my God, over five years of my life, my foundation on Islam. Stage one of my life, I didn't have a foundation. Right? So please, I'm not telling you my story with any ill intent. Okay, I was a very faithful Muslima. So I understand what you may be thinking if you are Muslim and you were where I was before. I get it. I know you are, this is definitely going to ruffle your feathers, <laughs> to say it in a nice way. But that's okay. It's okay. I've, I've held myself back for a very long time from sharing my story. And, and it's okay. It's okay to share my story. So if I do offend you anyway, um, if you perceive me as offending you or or making you feel uncomfortable or whatever it may be I do apologize because I do love you I really do right um, but this is what happens you know we go through life we go through stages in life we go through suffering and then we come out the other side and we we see our tr truth and then we are guided to help others that may need it. And that's that's all I'm doing, okay? So Islam. Islam, oh my God, Islam, how much I love Islam. And I still do love Islam because I'm so grateful and thankful for what it has taught me. If it wasn't for Islam, I wouldn't be sitting here today speaking to you. Islam came to me when I was at my lowest of lows. I didn't have anywhere to live. I was living with my boyfriend at his friend's house. So we were living with his friend and his wife. I didn't have a job. So I didn't have an income. And my bank account was very quickly um, depleting. <laughs> and my husband, didn't, my boyfriend at the time, didn't have a job either. By the way, he soon became my husband. I, so I didn't have any security. I didn't have that luxurious life that I used to live, 
right? Life stripped me away from everything that I thought was important, which was having a car, having an apartment, having money, doing really nice things. I was still drinking, not as often as I did, but I was still drinking. Um, even though I lost my job because of it, I hated what I've become. I hated my life. I was just in such a low place, right? And behold, <laughs> I was guided to Islam. And this is exactly what I needed. This is where my part two of my story begins. It's when I picked up the Quran in English, started reading it, and I'm going to tell you how the Quran made me feel, the lessons that it taught me, as well as how it kept me in suffering. What Islam gave me, it connected me with the higher power. It connected me with Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. It connected me with Allah. And Allah, oh my God, Allah is my savior, right? Allah is going to love me no matter what and no matter who I am. Allah is going to forgive me. Allah is not going to judge me. And Allah is going to guide me. And Allah is going to, if... I was a, a servant who proved my loyalty in this world by enduring the suffering and, and being a good Muslima, then Allah is going to be my answer to my afterlife, to going to Jannah, to heaven. On Judgment Day, I'm... I'll go to, to, to heaven. They call it Jannah. Right? Allah was going to protect me and give me everything that I ever wanted. So from going to not having a foundation at all, I started to build my life on Islam. It's so beautiful because I stopped drinking, I stopped smoking, I stopped going partying, I prayed five times a day, right? I was learning Arabic. I felt so safe, so protected, so saved. Islam's teachings, to, as in how I perceived it, the reason why these women cover themselves is because they are not only their beauty. They don't want people to see them only for their face and their body, right? They want to be respected and they deserve respect because, because they're precious and they're women. So I saw the hijab and the albaya, which is the hijab is what they cover their hair with and the albaya is like the black um, long 
code that they wear covering the shape of their body. And I saw this as protection. Protection from, from the outside world. Protection from men gazing upon my beauty. But when I sit here, I realize that it was protecting me. It was protecting me from putting myself out there in a way that I didn't need to. It was teaching me a lesson. This is one of the biggest, one of the lessons Islam awoken within me was I didn't need to show my body and I didn't need to use my beauty to feel worthy because I was already worthy. And I was not stupid because I was beautiful. I've always been intelligent. Right? So, the teachings of Islam was helping me grow within and I didn't even know it. How beautiful is that? Okay? I saw Islam as giving me a second chance to live life at a deeper level because now I had purpose, right? I had purpose and my purpose was to serve God. I was only on this earth to prove my loyalty to him. And this was just, this life on this earth was just a test. And I believe that with all my heart. It gave me something to believe in. It gave me Allah to believe in. And it gave me hope. Hope that everything was going to be okay. Not in this life, but in the next life. So it's okay if I suffer in this life. Right? When I got married to my boyfriend... Um, at the time when I did convert to Islam, he was also Muslim. And when I got, when I started to read the Quran and I converted and I started to wear the hijab, I told him, listen, like, I was so by the book. It was either we get married or you go home right and he chose to marry me I just felt so it felt so wrong and it felt so wrong with him in my apartment because at that time I got a job right and I moved out to um, apartment was provided a com an accommodation was provided and he was staying with me and I was I felt so wrong coming home and him being there because he wasn't my husband and I was not I was not comfortable it wasn't in my heart anymore and when especially when I started to wear the hijab I wore the hijab and I came out of the room in my hijab so it was like I wasn't comfortable I didn't have that space for myself right and he didn't even understand he was like you know, as much as he loved the fact that I converted to Islam, he wasn't expecting what was happening. 
right? And I didn't know what I, I just, I was just following my heart and I was following what, what felt right at that time. So he decided to marry me and we had a very, very small uh, nikah. It's called a nikah. It's like a, just a ceremony. No big wedding, no nothing, just a small ceremony. My parents were on Skype and we got married. And even though at that time, something deep down inside me knew, knew that, that I shouldn't be getting married, I totally ignored it. Right? Because... Our relationship before Islam was falling apart. It was falling apart before, it was falling apart during, it was falling apart after we got married. It was just, we were just holding on to each other because maybe we were scared of being alone. Right? So we got married and I thought that he was going to change. But he didn't. So, in Islam, it also teaches us, or to my perception, I believe that the Quran said and the teachings were that I put my husband first. And I am patient with him, right? This is the whole thing about being patient. And I endure the suffering. And no matter what my husband did, I prayed and I prayed and I just prayed and I hoped that it got better. Right? And when I prayed to Allah, to the higher power outside of myself, I did feel better because I was letting go of, I put it in the hands of God. Right? So just doing that alone and having faith raises our, raises our vibration so we feel good. Right? But it only felt good for so long, right? It was very temporary. Like I cried to God. Like God was my only, only friend. And, and we were taught not to talk about our problems, our marriage problems to anybody. You know, if we had such um, big issues, we go to a sheikh or we go to our elders and then they help us, right? And I did do that. And the answers were, be patient with him. Right? You know, I never felt so neglected and so alone in my life. Ever. And I never felt so connected to something which was my faith in my life. I never, ever felt so connected to anything. I was so, like, imagine a party girl that totally changed covering, reading Quran every day, listening to the Quran, listening to the programs all about, you know, how to live, how to be a good Muslima. Like I lost so many, not so many friends, I didn't have so much friends in the first place, but the party friends that I had, they quickly disappeared from my life. Right? I gave in stage one, I gave all of my power to everybody else. In stage two of my life, I gave my power to Allah. Right? 
I believed with all my heart and all my soul in hell and in heaven. So in Jahannam and Jannah. Jahannam is hell, Jannah is heaven. And oh my God, was I scared. I was so scared, like fear was instilled in me. And I didn't want to do anything that was going to anger Allah. Or that the angels and my shoulder was going to write down and report back to Allah what I did that day. And I wanted to get as much rewards as I could. I wanted to prove that I was so faithful and that I was such a good soul. To the point where I even agreed to have a second wife. Yeah. I put myself last. I put my husband first, his other two children first, my newfound sister, which was his wife, who I thought they divorced, but I found out later that they were still married. Um, and I put her, and I loved her, and I did it with all of my heart, right? And I put them all in front of myself, and I said, you know what, if if you want to be with her, then we can make it work. And it hurt. It hurt, and I suffered, and I just saw it as, you know what, the more I'm suffering, the more rewards I'm, I'm getting. But it, it hurt. But at the same time, I saw it as being so beautiful. Unfortunately, or fortunately, it didn't work. Um... It, it never worked. He wasn't able to, um, he wasn't able to do it. I wasn't able to do it. I, I was, I was killing myself on top of already killing myself. I felt like I, I had no control over my life. Everything that was happening was from the grace of Allah. Okay. And I felt like I needed Islam to protect me from myself, from who I was in stage one of my life, right? So can you see how Allah saved me, but yet kept me in a state of suffering? But I needed, I needed that suffering because I needed to turn around and go within, which was my stage three. So the feelings that I felt when I converted to Islam and lived in my unhappy marriage was lost and disconnected. I was still lost and disconnected with myself. I put myself last because that's what I thought you were meant to do as a mother and as a wife. Right? So I put myself last. I hid behind my smile. I used to pretend that I was happy just because that's what I thought I was supposed to do. I wasn't strong enough to make the decisions that I knew I needed to make in my life. Because there was so much confusion. You know, in the teachings, it also says that we're not supposed to suppress ourselves. You know, we women are very precious in, in how much stuff that we deserve, but I was just not strong enough to do it. 
with all the faith that I had in God, I wasn't strong enough. Um, I was trying to find happiness in everything around me, right? So I was trying to find happiness in my religion because that's what I thought that was my savior. That that's that's what's gonna make me feel happy. And even if I wasn't happy, that's okay because I'm gonna be happy in the afterlife. You know, and that's when I was like, you know what, my husband was supposed to make me happy. Why isn't he making me happy? And my beautiful son. Of course, when I looked at my son, I felt happy and I felt joy, but that was only temporary, right? My face and my body continued to manifest everything that I felt within. So everything that I was holding in, all of my suffering, all of the, the, the neglect and feeling unloved and unwanted and the anxiety, the depression, right? The disconnect, all of these things manifested as major acne on my face okay and I used to lose weight and then I would gain weight like all of a sudden I, I and I was eating the exact same things but my body was trying to tell me something and I just wasn't listening my heart oh my god my heart used to hurt so much it was so painful you know and I just I just suppressed all of the pain and all of the feelings and I just shoved everything under the carpet in hopes that one day when Allah is ready to change my situation, it's going to change or if it doesn't, then I will reap my rewards in Jannah. And of course, I didn't want to break up a family. I didn't want my son to be without his father. Right? Remember, I had a very, very strong belief that a child needs his mother and his father together, no matter what, to thrive. Right? I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror anymore because I didn't recognize who I was. I didn't recognize myself. I thought that I was so ugly and I saw all of my flaws. Right. And I was mean to that not to my reflection, I was mean to her. You know? I wasn't comfortable, I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. Something was wrong, something wasn't right. With my faith, with the foundation that I built, something still was not right. I. Was I meant to suffer? Was I meant to suffer for my entire life? Like, right? I deprived myself of, oh my God, of, of the smallest things. Like, I'm such a, a cuddler and I'm such an affectionate person. Like, I couldn't, I can't, like, I didn't have that. 
right? I, I had a husband, but I didn't have that. I didn't have someone to sleep with at night. I didn't have that physical contact. I didn't have that emotional comfort. I didn't, I didn't have any of that. I didn't have communication. It was like I was married to a stranger, you know? But I always knew, I always knew, I always knew that I was meant for something. I used to hold my hand at night and when I cried, I would cry and comfort myself. Like, it's okay. And that wasn't God holding my hand and comforting me. That was me. That was me. So this beautiful religion, this beautiful journey through Islam taught me my worth. It opened my eyes beyond beauty, right? And even though I covered my beauty in Islam, and it came to a point where I started to feel ugly, Islam taught me that I am not just a beautiful face. Islam connected me to the higher power, but my mistake was putting that higher power outside of myself. Islam instilled fear deep within me to the point where I put myself last and I suffered 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 until I just couldn't suffer anymore. And that is going to be on my part three. Part three of my spiritual awakening to finding the true me. Islam gave me purpose and it gave me all the answers that I was searching for but yet it kept me at a certain vibration. It kept me at a certain level of consciousness. I was still sleeping, right? Because I still wasn't connected with who I truly was. But it was my way of learning and evolving. It was my journey, it's my story. I had this foundation underneath me and it was such a strong, strong, strong foundation until I started to raise my vibration outside of the teachings of Islam. <laughs> and it's so funny because it has to do with looking into that mirror again and seeing me and loving me, loving that reflection, it has to do, comes back to my beauty, comes back to loving me. Through my journey in Islam, I felt like I was saved but I still didn't love me. I still wasn't connected to me. I was being saved from myself, but there was another, another 
part of the story. And I didn't, obviously, I didn't know that when I was in Islam because that was it. I thought that was my life. This is, this is my destiny. But let me tell you, oh my God, we are not, we are meant to grow and we are meant to evolve and we are meant to, oh my God, to be the limitless souls that we are. I love you. And I'm going to leave it here for today. And I just want to, I want to let you know that it's okay. It's okay to be where you are right now. And I promise you, if you, you know, I can't, it's so funny because on my journey, I, I didn't, I just, I was guided and I didn't even know that I was being guided. So just, I want to tell you, trust the process. And I am going to tell you to trust the process. And I understand if you have no idea how to trust the process, it's okay. But you are not meant to suffer. You are not destined to suffer. Just because you're a mom and a wife doesn't mean that you have to put yourself last. Matter of fact, you need to take care of yourself. You need to fulfill yourself so that you can be a better mother and you can be a better version of yourself, a better human being for yourself and for humanity in a whole. And that would eventually come in your spiritual, on your spiritual journey. Oh my God, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening to my story. In part three, I will continue this story on how I broke down and the truths that I learned and the lessons that were revealed to me, which continues to make me who I am today. I'm sending you so much love and so much light right now. Everything is going to be okay. It is your journey. I love you so much. And until next time, I will always, 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 always see the light within you that shines so bright until you yourself can see and find the truth.